You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast for TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State recruiting news. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, uh, your host of the show, and being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. And Jackson, it's been uh, quite a while since our return. How how are you doing now since the last <laughs> time we speak, spoke? Yeah, I'm doing well. I've uh, been out there at fall camp and, and getting the scoop on this year's team. So it's been uh, exciting to actually be invited back out there. Uh, of course, last season, we didn't get to go to a single practice. Some interviews were on Zoom. And uh, even in the spring, we were allowed in, but we had to stay outside of the, the field and in the stands. So that made pictures a little difficult. But uh, now it's a, pretty much uh, back to normal protocol uh, out there at the practice field. And it's uh, feeling like like football season, it's still a little a little weird <laughs> around around town and stuff with everything going on. But uh, you know, when the football team's practicing, it, it seems like uh, it's uh, almost normal season time. So we're we're just about there and anxious to to get back in the Bulldog Stadium and see the red wave there. Yeah, it's definitely been a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, I mean, for everyone, uh, this COVID has pretty much hit everything pretty hard, but. As far as I know, and from what I've been seeing out there, Bulldog Stadium is now allowed to go back at full capacity, 100% capacity. So that's going to liven things up for for the players who all of last season played in front of you know very sparse stadiums, empty stadiums with no atmosphere, nothing. Uh, you know, is is this going to be kind of another adjustment that the the players and staff are going to have to deal with now moving forward, Jackson? Yeah, even at practice, they've been the uh, last couple of days. They've been playing crowd music or crowd noise through the speakers during practice to get them a little adjusted to that. And you usually don't see that before a home game uh, because, of course, the crowd is typically polite and quiet when you're on offense, you know, and they're not causing problems. But uh, last year, I mean, it was uh, entirely silent. So just even being in a home crowd when you're on offense with not a lot of noise is still a bit of an adjustment for these guys that they're getting ready for. And of course, when they go to Oregon at Austin stadium, it's going to be a whole nother experience that all the, the freshmen and the second year guys have never experienced. So they're definitely taking that into account now as the games start getting closer. Yeah. And, and that is going to be a lot. Uh, it's going to be somewhat of a, of an, uh, an adjustment for players and not only players, but for the fans as well, who have been locked up for, uh, for the past year and, and are itching to get out there. Um, I expect to have a big crowd uh, uh, for those that are, are uh, brave enough to go out there and, and, and brave the, the, the COVID status, so to speak, if they're if they're not uh, afraid to be around other people, I expect a huge crowd. Um, it should be it should be fun. It should be a loud place, um, and it's uh, it's going to be a little bit of a it's going to be fun to be back out there again. Um, especially you know when you have a home game coming in. Uh, the first game of the season is a is a home game, and uh, it should be pretty dang hot out there, right, Jackson? <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit of an interesting experience. They're going to have uh, brunch for the tailgates. It's going to be early in the morning. and uh, First morning game ever in Bulldog Stadium, from my understanding. So it's going to be a, a definitely a change of pace there. and uh, It's going to get a little hot, but it should kind of play in Fresno State's favor with uh, the Yukon Huskies coming in. It's going to be a, a type of heat and at that time of day that they're probably not used to, and we've seen a few teams in similar situations struggle on the road here at Fresno State with the, that heat. So um, aside from Fresno State's uh, large uh, favored point spread, that's just uh, another uh, ace in the back of their pocket they've got that uh, should make it a, a fun day for the Red Wave other than staying cool. <laughs> yeah, as, as of right now, projection, projections are triple-digit heat, uh, somewhere around anywhere from 102 to 106 is what they're projecting right now uh, for that <laughs> afternoon. Um, so I expect it by kickoff, it'll probably be about, what, 95 already? 
<laughs> so <laughs> yeah, at least at least the kickoff earlier probably won't be at the uh, the peak of the heat yet, but probably getting towards halftime we'll start cooking a little bit. <laughs> it, it, it's gonna be a fun one to say <laughs> to, to, to to say the least. But you know, it's definitely gonna be something that uh, it, it's gonna work in the Bulldogs' favor. Um, like you've said in the past, other teams have struggled when they come in here in the heat, uh, where the Bulldogs are very well conditioned to it already. So. We'll see what happens as that one moves forward, and we'll keep an eye on the weather because it keeps changing. And, the, of course, right now, because of the wildfires, uh, the the air quality is not helping either. So that could play a factor too, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, they had a scrimmage uh, a couple weekends ago with some pretty funky air, and um, it was healthy enough to that it didn't keep them from playing, and it actually kind of, gave like a little bit of cover from the sun so <laughs> if they reach a little bit of a medium there it might make it a uh, heat wise a, a little more pleasant but yeah we'll see it's been uh it hasn't hit the valley too hard uh, this month but uh just just like the last couple of days it got a little uh, a little worrisome with some of the smoke that came in uh, wednesday night yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen here. Um, as of right now, all all games and everything, uh, even in high school football, are still on. Um, but they are monitoring the situation as far as, as air quality is concerned. So we'll have to keep an eye on that uh, as we get closer to kickoff. Uh, but before we start digging into that home opener, Jackson, uh I guess we need to find out who's on the Bulldogs, right? Um, <laughs> things have changed since the last time we've talked. We've had players transfer out. We've had new players transfer in, new freshmen on campus. So it's only fair for us to kind of go through what you have been able to see so far at, at fall camp and go through the positions and figure out what the Bulldogs are going to look like once we hit to the season opener. So before we start going position, position, tell us what was your overall impression of what has happened so far during fall camp? Yeah, it's been, uh, I, I would say, in terms of what's been going on, um, the team, you know, they only lost a couple of seniors because of this COVID waiver. Everyone that's eligible to come back an extra year and, um, you know, no, there were no starters or anything that were seniors that left. There was a, a couple of guys that moved on, but not a, not a lot of ma- major contributors. Uh, and then you have to factor in that the team had more than 40 players depart and more than 40 new players come in, even without all those seniors leaving. So uh, there's been a lot of roster movement, a lot of transfer portal action with some of the, some of the guys that weren't on the field so much, uh, some of the younger players. And a lot of new guys coming in. The Bulldogs brought in nine Division One transfers, which um, would have been unheard of a few years ago. Now it's kind of, it almost feels like the norm. It doesn't feel like that big of a deal right now. So uh, there's a lot of new faces in new positions, but you've also got uh, a big bulk of your returning starters from last year, nearly everyone. So um, it should be a team that you feel confident returning, plus some added pieces where you really needed it at some key positions so um there hasn't been a lot of weaknesses uh, and you look at some of the positions like the running backs and the receivers and you're just amazed by the not just the level of talent but the depth is something that is is rare for Fresno State to have and they've got plenty of it right now yeah that's definitely going to be a, a a change uh, for the Bulldogs is having depth at positions uh, that they don't usually have. One of those positions, the running back position, has uh, been kind of a a hit and miss because uh, in recent years we go into the season thinking there's a lot of depth at that position and then uh, they end up only having like two running backs for the whole year because everybody else is on the sidelines hurt. So, um, as far as the running back position, let's go ahead and start with that one. Uh, I mean, you have returning senior uh, Ronnie Rivers uh, coming in and playing another year. And so, he's going to be the bedrock of, of that position. But what else can you tell us Tell us about his progression and all the depth behind him? Yeah, I mean, Ronnie came in last year just looking like a different guy. And uh, he has certainly maintain that coming into this season. Uh, they haven't worked him out a lot in camp just to make sure they don't uh, put him in risk of any injuries. So uh, he should come into the season real fresh and ready to go. Um, 
there was uh, the feeling that the Bulldogs were pretty well prepared uh, behind him last year, but it kind of became a uh, idea where the Bulldogs were playing so few games they were going to let Ronnie take as many carries as he could handle. And then we saw once uh, Jordan Mims got in there, uh, he had some moments, but it wasn't quite back to where he was pre-injury. Uh, they are feeling a lot better this season about where he is. They think that he is looking a lot more like the guy he was back in 2017, 2018. And so they are feeling pretty good about that one-two punch there. Uh, Malik Sherrod has been kind of the surprise of camp. He had a, a huge spring game, but uh, due to some depth, it seemed like he got carries that he might not normally get. But uh, this fall, he's really earning them. And it looks like he may be number three. He's a, a redshirt freshman who's just uh, about 5'8". I mean, he's even smaller than Ronnie, but he is a explosive runner. And he will not just run past you, but he will run over you. We saw in the spring game that he just ran right over a defender and didn't into the end zone. So he's got that aspect of his game as well. Um, and, and the Bulldogs have plenty of more options behind those guys as well. They've got Jordan Wilmore, who's a former four-star recruit uh, and actually played pretty significantly at Utah. Um, he's a more of a between-the-tackles the kind of bruising runner, but um, there, there could definitely be a role for him. And, and if it's not this year, that's certainly in the near future when guys like Ronnie and, and Jordan start to graduate and move on. But uh, that is a very promising piece. They've got Javon Bigelow, who uh, certainly had his opportunities last season. He was kind of the number three back last year, and at about six foot two, he's just a dimension that no one else in that room is going to bring. So uh, there will likely be some uh, a role for him. And then they've got the two freshmen they brought in, uh, Jonathan Arsenault, who is a, a really explosive athlete, can do kind of be a slot receiver, be a returner, do all those kind of uh, things as a little bit of a scat back. And Jordan Hornbeek, unfortunately, has not been able to practice in fall camp. He came in a little bit dinged up. Uh, we'll see if maybe it's not supposed to be a long-term deal. He may get healthy. It'd probably be too late to uh, push some of those other guys for playing time, but we could see him available uh, sometime during the season as well. So, um, I mean, overall, I think the Bulldogs are in good shape. You want to keep Ronnie healthy, for sure. You don't want to have to live without him. And I think they will maybe uh, be more considerate with the amount of reps it takes to, to try to keep him good for a full 12-game season. But um, I think the Bulldogs are in pretty good shape when uh, they need to go to number two or number three. Absolutely. And and having the addition of having uh, Javon Bigelow in the back, backfield, uh, adding that big body in there, uh, because I believe he is like the biggest running back uh, that the Bulldogs have, uh, you could have a little bit of uh, thunder and lightning there happening uh, with, uh, you know, having uh, Ronnie do a lot of the, the work and then tiring down that defense and then bringing in uh, somebody like uh, Bigelow to, to kind of pound the ball a little, a little bit. Uh, it could be a difference that the Bulldogs are looking for this year um, that could kind of separate them from from the rest of the field. So, uh, it's definitely something that uh, is going to be interesting to watch how these uh, running backs develop. I don't remember a last time we had this many running backs on the Bulldogs roster, Jackson. Uh, am I mistaken there? The, there's quite a few this year. Yeah, well, sometimes they have more running backs, but not as many that seem like legitimate contributors. There's usually a few walk-ons. This group actually has no walk-on. Um, so there's been a little bit of a being careful, you know, usually some of those walk-on guys will get some of the scrimmage reps to keep some other players healthy. They don't, they don't have that luxury right now, but um, yeah, there's definitely, you feel pretty good about, uh, if you have to go five running backs deep, uh, I mean, that's something that you never see on, on a Mountain West team to have uh, five pretty solid running backs you can go to, and I think that's legitimately where Fresno State is. There, there is a drop-off from Ronnie and Jordan to some of the other guys, but uh, these other running backs would definitely be playing more uh, more reps on another Mountain West team and should be ready to take over in the coming season. Yeah, so that should be uh, a good one to watch as they as they develop uh, here in the future. Uh, but you know, running back can't do his thing unless you have a passing threat, and uh, to do so, you have to have a quarterback uh, back there who uh, is able to manage and and open up the play and. Uh, 
well, Jake Hayner is coming back as the starter, uh, undisputed starter for the Bulldogs. Um, and there's quite a few guys behind him. But uh, how has he looked in fall camp? And um, what's your what's your thoughts on this uh, quarterback crew? Yeah, Hayner's an interesting case because he put up some some pretty crazy numbers last season. But uh, even while it was happening, you know, you still had Ben Woldridge who was uh, taking some of the the drives and reps occasionally, and you know, it felt like it was still a little bit of a quarterback battle first part of that season. And uh, now, of course, Hayner's the, the the man. There's no question right now, and uh, he does look like he has really making a taken a step forward, even from what he did last year. Uh, you look at last season putting up 2,000 yards in six games, that paces out to over 4,000 in a normal season, which has only been done by David and Derek Carr here. Uh, so there's real potential for him to have a big season. And, yeah, it's it's just, you know, last year he he was, he came to Fresno State in 2019 with Jeff Tedford. And then when Kalen DeBoer came in, they had no previous relationship. So there was kind of uh, getting to know even the offense a little bit, getting to know each other. And then um, this off season has really been his time to dig in further into the playbook and what they call being Jake Hayner 2.0. He's got just a, a fuller understanding of the playbook, of his teammates, of making his calls with the line of scrimmage. And uh, this is a, a Jake Hayner that should be even more advanced than, than what we saw last season. Um, we, he, there was no question about his arm and his ability to, to get away from pressure uh, when it happens in the pocket. Uh, there is a little bit of uh, working on his chemistry with the O-line to maybe stay in the pocket a little longer when he can. And um, you know He had a couple picks in the first game, but he really didn't have many mistakes after that. So they've shored up on some of the minor concerns and his strengths, I feel like, have gotten even stronger. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch as he grows more and and. I'm I'm hoping that uh, this year, uh, with the addition of having everybody come in, uh, you know, fans and everything, different atmosphere, that uh, Hayner can really kind of take off a little bit more. Uh, because I, there was times where I felt like that was missing um, in uh, in games where you kind of. Eh, for lack of a better term, the the players will feed off of the crowd sometimes, and it kind of felt like some of the players were flat, and Hayner was one of those. Sometimes when he just didn't have that that kind of a, a feeling behind him, the, do you think Jackson that would make a big difference? I think so. I mean, uh, we saw. We, I think it was the UNLV game was one where the Bulldogs kind of had it wrapped up, but he threw a pass in the fourth quarter that was kind of a a decision that maybe you wouldn't do in a more intense situation. And then Coach DeBoer had a little talk with him they had on camera. But, um, and then you look back at, at the last couple of games where uh, he was running for his life. It felt like the with all the pressure that was coming his way and no crowd, and that was a, an odd situation. So um, just being in a normal game atmosphere, I think, is going to go a long way. And, you know, he seems to be a guy that does certainly ride momentum. And so when the Bulldog Stadium is rocking, he'll be a guy that I think beats off of it a lot like Derek Carr did when he was here. Yeah, so it's definitely the crowd is going to be a big difference on uh, for a lot of these players. Um, but as far as everybody else is concerned, are you sold on a second uh, uh, quarterback as the backup? Or, or you still kind of have the feelings of, that it still may be wide open? Yeah, as of right now, it, it is still undecided. It sounds like we are getting close to learning that. Um, they do want to figure that out by this weekend uh, going into the UConn week to make sure they have someone uh, taking as many of those reps as they can during the week. But it has been a, a dead heat between uh, second-year player Logan Fife and true freshman Jalen Henderson. Uh, the two of them have been uh, basically splitting the second-team reps 50-50 and competing for that job. Uh, Logan Fife is... Uh, uh, from his experience last year and in, in the spring, he got all the second team reps as well. So he's got a bit more experience, a bit more knowledge of the playbook. But uh, Henderson's a guy that is uh, six foot three, who is a uh, uh, just a totally uh, type of recruit that Fresno State doesn't often get at quarterback uh, in terms of his rankings and his offers. I mean, he's the, the highest ranked guy Fresno State's had out of high school since their uh, 
And so there is a lot of expectations for him. And he's shown a lot of flashes in practice as well. But you know, he's only been here for a couple of months. And, and learning the playbook and being ready to lead an offense in a game situation is still a little bit of another story. So we'll see kind of if the, who wins out. Is it the experience or is it the raw talent between those two? And uh, ultimately, yeah, you got to realize that it is uh, a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. That's your, your next option after Jay Kaner. Uh, the only other two quarterbacks on the roster are freshman walk-ons. So there is a, a different world of Fresno State offense that comes into play if, if Tanner has to leave the field. And so there's a lot riding on Jake this season to, to stay healthy and to perform uh, the way that uh, we anticipate he will. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the key for the Bulldogs is keeping Hayner upright <laughs> and uh, and healthy uh, this season. So, uh, but uh, before we go into the offensive line uh, as the guys who are who are uh, responsible for that, we're gonna first we're gonna go to the position that Hayner is trying to get the ball to, and that's the wide receivers. And I'm telling you, Jackson, probably the deepest I've seen in quite some time at the, uh, this position. Yeah, and last season was already deep, and now they've added Ty Jones from Washington, who is just a six foot four, uh, massive receiving target. He's not a tight end at all. <laughs> he looks like uh, when I got up a little close and personal with him for an interview, and you see those shoulders, and it looks like when they zoom in on on Dwight Howard or LeBron James shooting a free throw, you know, he just got these bowling balls on his arms <laughs> or shoulders, and. Uh, I mean, when you combine the height and the athleticism and the strength, I mean, this guy is just a whole new dimension that Fresno State didn't have before, and he's going to make a, a really big impact this season. Uh, probably more of a possession receiver, but uh, something that Fresno State can certainly utilize. Uh, then you factor in all the other names, Jalen Cropper, Josh Kelly, Zane Pope, uh, Amoria Edwards is back after opting out last season. You've got... Uh, Max Delena, you've got Eric Brooks just put on scholarship, who's uh, played a lot of Bulldog football and, and was number four on the receiver numbers last season. Um, uh, if I didn't say Carrick Wheatfall, you know, he's uh, definitely a guy that could start as well. So, uh, I mean, there's about seven or eight receivers for sure that they're going to try to find a way to get on the field. But it uh, seems like the common theme this year has been that Jalen Cropper and Josh Kelly have both kind of taken the a step beyond where some of the guys were last season. So if you're looking for two guys to kind of lead the way, I think it's going to be them, but I think you still have a deep group that is going to have a lot of guys coming on and off the field and, and bring a different dimension. Maybe depending on what kind of defense they're playing, you'll see some guys play more one week to the next. So it's going to be that kind of year with the, the offense in the receiver room. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the, I'm sitting here reading the names that, that that are here. I mean, you've got reliable players like Mac Delina, who's been here for uh, uh, the last couple of seasons and has kind of solidified him as a, a, a trust, uh, trusty guy. Uh, we've got Carrick, you know, Carrick Wheatfall, the senior who is outstanding. I mean, Zane Pope, I mean... Moria Edwards is still a little bit of a question mark, but watching him throughout high school is electrifying to watch when he gets going. Jalen Cropper, of course. Um, the only thing about Jalen Cropper uh, one that I saw during his freshman year was he got caught from behind in, in times where in high school he never did. Uh, I'm wondering, did they work on that with, with uh, Jalen and trying to kind of uh, – help him separate himself from from other players once he's out in the open field yeah i mean he was already real fast and now he, he's stepped that up even further and, and the one thing they've really worked on is that you know he still had a little bit of that high school body before and he does not anymore he's put on upwards of 25 pounds this off season and, and just pure muscle i mean he looks like uh, a guy that you would see in, a, in an NFL draft combine kind of about right now. I mean, he's looking like a different guy, and that's going to be a receiver who, if someone is fast enough to catch him, he might shed that tackle where he would not have done it before. So that's been another uh, impact to his game. He's just a lot bigger and a lot stronger and has not lost a step in the process. So um, he's going to be a factor. And just, uh, again, in his freshman year, he was doing some, some interesting things with the uh, sweep runs and, you know, um, 
he threw a pass on a trick play. He was doing some returns and things. And now he's a lot more of a, a pure receiver. He's got the route running down and uh, some other aspects that have taken a big jump as well. So he's showed uh, last season that he was a true receiver and everything's just uh, really progressed for him this year as well. Yeah, I, it's he was already electrifying then, um, you know, not really getting too much of a chance last year because of COVID uh, and then stepping it up in the training uh, to get into this season. Uh, it should be fun to watch, right, Jackson? I mean, just be, be able to get him going, uh, knowing full well that he has stepped up his training should be uh, he should be a game changer for for the Bulldogs. Something that uh, we haven't seen in in quite some time since uh, a departure of some of uh, the recent stars at Fresno State. Yeah, and it's going to be fun having a local guy doing it too. And I think Josh Kelly again is right in there, the Memorial graduate. Um, I mean, I see. Uh, big names and big uh, uh, comparisons to make, but I kind of see uh, Bernard Barry in a bit and Jalen Cropper, and I see some Devontae Adams and Josh Kelly. I mean, Kelly had uh, a catch in the scrimmage the other day where he just leaped up, grabbed the ball down with one hand. I mean, you, uh, that's the kind of play he came to expect from Devontae Adams out here uh, when he was in college. And uh, I mean, those two guys just seem to be on on another level, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then you've got again like five other receivers who are all you know, kind of starting caliber. Zane Pope, the guy that led the team in receiving uh, two seasons ago, uh, with most of these guys on the team, and now you're wondering uh, how you get that guy on the field almost with all the, the players that the president they have standing out. So it is a uh, it's going to be uh, a fun uh, challenge for the Bulldogs to have. It's a time to room for everybody. Now it's it, because the position is so deep. It, you have a dark horse in there in that wide receiver group that you can see kind of, kind of uh, making his mark quietly. Um, there's a few guys, um, Amore Edwards for one, just because um, the fact that he wasn't even here last season with the team. Uh, I personally felt like it might take him a year to get back into the swing of things, but he's shown up and he's been fantastic right off the bat. So I anticipate that uh, he is going to make a, an impact and see the field quite a bit. Um, Eric Brooks is a guy that uh, is often just kind of forgotten about when you think of all the scholarship receivers, and he came in as a walk-on, but now he has earned a scholarship this camp, and they really like what he does in the slot. So uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, it, it was uh, kind of surprising to see the way that he played the, as much as he did last season, and now he is you got to realize that's the expectation that he's just as good as every good uh, as a lot of these other receivers. And, um, Mac Delena is a guy he's behind, um, at the position where, uh, Carrick Wheatfall and Ty Jones will be playing, but I think they see a lot of value in his speed and that he might do some of the things that Jalen Cropper did his freshman season, uh, kind of fit in that way. So, uh, those are guys that when you look at the depth chart, you kind of struggle to see how they're going to get on the field but i think they will all definitely have a role all right and and moving on to another position is going to be the tight end position one that supplements uh the wide receivers but let's face it the tight end position really has not been the same i want to say since the departure of bear pasco Jackson it's uh he was a unique player here at fresno state uh at the tight end position uh, what can you expect out of this group? Um, I see we're about probably about six deep right now. Um, is is that position going to be utilized more this year than we've seen in, in the past few years? Yeah, that's an interesting one because when Kalen DeBoer got here with Coach Tetford, they both really wanted to bring the tight end position back. And Jared Rice really flourished with that. And that 2018 season, he, he put up some big numbers, but it was, and he was almost just like a big slot receiver. You know, he, he did some blocking, but not kind of the way you thought of like how Bear Pasco would have done it back in the day. Um, and then when DeBoer left uh, in 2019 and Ryan Grubb took over, we saw Rice's numbers decline considerably, um, whether that was schematical or, you know, change of quarterback or a lot of different things that go into that. But uh, the last two seasons, there hasn't been a lot of tight end action. Uh, they've been on the field, but they just haven't caught a lot of passes. And you're in a situation right now where there's so many receivers 
because Fresno State used more four wide receiver sets and, and less tight ends. I think that's something they got to think about. Um, but this offense really is built for the tight ends. Just between Jared Rice and watching Coach DeBoer's teams at Indiana or his, his single team, uh, they really relied on the tight end passing game. They had a guy that was very similar to Rice um, lined up in the slot. And so I think that's where the future of the position is for Fresno State. Will it be this season? I'm not sure. But the Bulldogs do have a lot of returners. They have Juan Rodriguez, who started the first game for the Bulldogs last year and caught a touchdown in that game and then uh, suffered a pretty severe injury just moments later. And now he is healed and he is back. They've got Raymond Powell, who's a, another just big athlete who can catch the ball, he can block. They've got Rory Hansen, who's a little bit more of a receiver. Uh, Jared Torres is back, a local walk-on who's played a lot of games for Fresno State. And so they, they've got definitely a, a core group there. And then a true freshman, Trey Watson, has really been the talk at camp. This is a six foot five and 225-pound two-sport athlete who led his team as a receiver to his state football championship in New Mexico and on the basketball court did the same for a state championship. And the talent in New Mexico is not like you're going to see in California, which is why uh, he probably got overlooked a little bit as a recruit. But, I mean, this is a guy that should be, be – if schools were scouting him right now, he would have all the offers in the world. This guy has uh, just been amazing in full camp, and he's going to play as a true freshman. And I see him definitely um, – I mean, he's going to play right away, but in a year or two, he could be that Jared Rice guy that's just your big slot receiver, you know, for a little bit too big to be a regular receiver, but a guy that's going to be able to still have the athleticism to leap up and grab catches. He's got a long wingspan, big hands, and he is going to be a problem for defenses, and I think we're going to get introduced to that this year, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the tight end position gets utilized more. Uh, I think it was a big missed opportunity uh, with when Rice was here. Uh, there was a lot of instances where we're roaming the fields. We could see Rice wide open and was just overlooked. So I don't know if that was the quarterback or if it was the design of the play. Uh, but I, I do believe there was some missed opportunities uh, that the Bulldogs could have utilized Rice a lot more in certain situations. Um, so I, I am a big fan of using the tight end more often, and I would like to, to see things kind of uh, develop in that direction, especially now with all these bodies in there, you think one of these guys is going to emerge as, as the top guy. So, um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know, Jackson, is it wishful thinking? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, coach, coach DeBoer, his offense is really orchestrated with the tight end on the field and so um again i don't it's going to be tough for them to battle for receiving targets with the receivers the bulldogs have but they're going to be an integral part of this offense and i think um down the line as some of these receivers graduate watson's going to be a guy that is just going to be a a whole different dimension from tight end i think he's going to blow away all the the numbers that that bear pasco and jerry rice set uh once he gets the opportunity um but this year, I think you're going to see a bit of a rotation of guys, and I mean they've just got several guys that are six foot five, six foot six, big enough to block, and I think they're going to kind of deploy them out one after another and, and try to cause problems that way. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be something that the the Bulldogs are should utilize because, like you said, it's going to be hard for them to to get time with the talent they have at wide receiver. But if you think about it it might actually leave the tight end more wide open because they're too worried about the dang wide receivers. <laughs> so it could be a good year for the tight end position this year. So uh, it's just something we'll have to keep an eye on. But um, Jackson, the next position, the the guys who are responsible for keeping the quarterback upright. Now, you know, you've, you've heard me refer to them as the hog mollies before. Um, <laughs> now, it's I'm I'm sitting here and I'm kind of I'm kind of thrown back, Jackson. Am I reading this right? We have 18 on roster at the Bulldogs right now. Uh, yeah, that would not surprise me. Um, I just yeah, counted usually... that. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't think we've seen this many offensive linemen on the Bulldogs ever. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because it was oh well, maybe not funny as well, but just about a spring or two ago. Uh, they did not have enough offensive linemen healthy to 
run uh, two teams worth of guys. They had players just taking all their reps practice because that 2019 season they had so many injuries and um, they, 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 a lot of them turned over into the following spring and then so it's been uh, really a, a rotating door at offensive line in a lot of those positions uh, since the 2018 team that had four seniors uh, leading that offensive line they really haven't picked it down and that's kind of where you get so many guys I mean usually they're going to roster maybe 15 or 16 but They've got so many guys that are experienced that have played college games. They've got nine guys, I believe, that have started Division One football games when you count them in transfers and uh, all the guys that started the past two seasons and then the guys that replaced those starters when they got hurt. So uh, it's a, a deep group of players that have experience. But how good has that experience been? It's a question. The O-line has struggled mightily the last two years and you're looking at a lot of the same faces that have been there. Um, so you're riding on a couple guys to have made some progress, and uh, that shouldn't be an issue, but um, how good are your starting five? That seems to be the question, and it's going to be a tough one to tell uh, until uh, Saturdays roll around here soon. Yeah, I mean, if they can't figure out who the starting five is going to be out of 18 players, <laughs> that's that's kind of a, 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 I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, either there's a lot of good competition or there's a lot of people sitting on the bench. So I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but, I mean, the one guy that I, I'm looking at this list that, that kind of sticks out to me that I'm I'm still sitting here scratching my head because he came in with a lot of credentials Tyrone Sampson but has yet to make a, a run at a solid starting position what do you make of him Jackson Yeah and unfortunately he wasn't quite good to go when camp started he was a little bit dinged up and so by the time he got into pads and, and started competing uh, that center battle had already kind of taken off with a couple of other guys. Um, Matt Smith and, and Bula Schmidt are, are battling for that spot. But um, Tyrone, while it doesn't look like he's too big of a factor at center, they've been playing him a lot at second-team guard. So he, he can play there as well. And uh, he may not be too far off from seeing the field. Um, they The Bulldogs have one guard spot locked up. Mose Vavalo is going to play that left guard position. Uh, the right guard has been a little bit of a battle. So uh, Samson's a guy that could compete there. It might be an injury or two away from seeing the field. But um, as far as the starting five goes currently, he's probably not projected in there. So um, he's still got some time at President State um, to to change that, <laughs> especially with the COVID year uh, from last season. He's still got a couple years at Fresno State and, um, just being healthy uh, would go a long way and for him to, to compete for that job because he's started a few games here and there and um, has played well. So it, it's in there. <laughs> it's just been kind of a, a year where there's so many players and uh, missing some time can really, really bite you, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, same goes kind of for, for Dante Bull. He's kind of had a, a roller coaster of a career here at the Bulldogs. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of his issues have been injuries, though. Um, but uh, what what's your take on how Dante's progressing so far? Yeah, Bull was another one that was um, a little bit dinged up coming into camp, and uh, he had to once he got healthy, he had to battle a little bit for his left tackle job. I think uh, as long as he is fully healthy, uh, he will be the plug starting left tackle. But he did have to earn it this camp. Uh, Dante Atkins uh, was really giving him a run for it. And um, the good thing about that competition is that if Bulls gets injured, it looks like Atkins is ready to fill in there, uh, which would be nice because uh, it wasn't there wasn't really an established left tackle beyond Bull, and this is an offensive line that can't afford to lose a talented left tackle and not have a replacement, which it, it was looking like there for a little bit. And, and you could still see Atkins start on the line. He's been uh, competing for that right guard spot. So... I think Dante Bull, he's got the frame and the athleticism to be an NFL player. Uh, I don't think his body's quite there, and he's uh, got some work to do uh, as far as technique goes. Uh, I think he can make a big step this year. But as a senior, he's already told me he plans to come back again next year. And I, I think by the end of 2022, he could really be a, a very impressive offensive lineman if he, he really buys in. 
Yeah, it's definitely Bull has got that body. Uh, even coming in as a freshman, you and I would joke around because you know he'd come running past us and we'd be looking straight up. I mean, this guy's huge. Uh, so, uh, but he is he's definitely one that could, if if everything goes right, could develop into uh, an NFL draft pick. Um, maybe a late rounder, but it, it all depends on how he develops and and his final year right now. So we'll see what happens there with him. Uh, but on the flip side of the coin, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, where uh, on the defensive line from defensive linemen and defensive ends altogether, you've got about 16 players there as well, Jackson. Um, I don't think I've seen this many at that position either. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> at the defensive line for the Bulldogs. So uh, what's it shaking out to look like uh, so far this year? Yeah, the uh, the defensive ends is a, a huge group. There's like ten of them, and there's a couple of guys were anticipated to be here that aren't currently. So it could have been an even larger group. Um, but when you look at the guys that will be on the field, I mean, this is another position. You talk about the running backs, the receivers. This is that defensive end about as deep as Fresno State has ever been that I've seen them in the last couple of decades. Um, you have. David Perales returning, Kwame Jones returning. They both started. They both had uh, more than four sacks apiece. They were a part of a defensive line that was one of the nation's best in sacks per game. So, I mean, you cannot be feeling any better about that. And then you've got Aaron Mosby, who is making the full-time transition to one of those defensive end positions as well. So now you've got three of those guys. you got to find a way to get on the field as much as they can. And then that's not all. You've got Isaiah Johnson, who was one of Fresno State's best recruits, he started a lot of football games uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, he was the starter in 2019 at uh, defensive end before uh, an injury, and uh, he's making his way back. He was a little limited last year, and now he's looking like himself. You've got Demarcus Johnson, who played a lot for the Bulldogs last year as a junior college transfer, and he had the play of the day in the scrimmage the other day. Uh, he had a one-handed interception uh, downfield, he dropped back covering someone from the defensive end position and picked off a pass. So that's the kind of guy you're talking about there, who was also an impressive pass rusher. Um, and uh, you've got a few other guys kind of in the pipeline behind them. So you've got definitely about five defensive ends that you feel comfortable getting on the field. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where it's a, a good problem to have. And if you have injuries, uh, it's one of the many positions Fresno State actually has the second team depth that they oftentimes don't. Uh, oftentimes, any group of five schools is going to have trouble having ready to go. So that's been one of the uh, the blessings of the uh, waiver, the eligibility waivers that you've got all these seniors back, and you've got other players that might have been starting this season in normal circumstances that are still having to wait their turn. Um, and then you get to the defensive tackle position. You've got Kevin Atkins back for his sixty or extra year, and he's a guy that also had four plus sacks and his uh, limited amount of games last year. So you talk about Atkins and whoever two defensive ends you want to put out there. That is as strong as the D line that Fresno State's had in quite some time, and it's just left the question of who will be the other defensive tackle. And that's been a competition between. Um, Leonard Payne, who opted out last year, he, he came back looking like a different guy, and he's had a really good camp. Uh, Matt Lawson, recruited in his that same class, has been working his way into there. I brought in a transfer from Oregon State, uh, Evan Bennett, who is uh, an impressive defensive tackle. He started some games for the Beavers in the Pac-12 last year. You've got Ryan Bame, a transfer from Cal Poly, who was a starter there. And, and so you've got about four defensive tackles that are all kind of on even ground and could all see the field in the rotation there and Fresno State desperately needed to find an answer there because you've got uh, both Alex Dumay and Curtis Brown who started games last year aren't on the team anymore and uh, that was really the, the hole of the defensive line they needed to fill and it looks like they're there it looks like they can afford one or two injuries but any more than that could get scary there's not uh, much beyond that, that first group of five of defensive tackles but uh, as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to be able to, to stay fresh as well. They can get those guys on and off the field and, and not skip a beat as long as you can have Atkins out there as much as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it looks like uh, the Bulldogs are, are set at the, the defensive line position, which 
uh, should make uh, things a little bit easier for the rest of them behind them. Um, uh, you've got, you know, neck going next. We'll head into the linebacker position, who I think looks like to be another solid group of of players here. Um, what's what's your thoughts on this? You've been able to see them practice at, uh, at fall camp. Uh, how's the linebacker position looking? Yeah, the, the defense is definitely riding on, on two guys to fill those two linebacker positions in the four-two-five defense. Um, they brought in Tyson Maeva, who was a, a star at Boise State uh, during those 2017 and 18 seasons when the Bulldogs and Broncos played four times and split a pair of conference championships. Uh, he spent the last two years at FIU and didn't play quite as much there. And now he's at Fresno State for his sixth year. And uh, he has been named a team captain after being here for just a few months. And uh, he was here in the spring, so he's had time to learn the defense. He's a, a vocal leader. You you see him stand out right away. And he plays the game a little nasty, perhaps. Uh, at least we saw he, got, he even got flagged in the spring preview for a late tackle. So there's a little bit of that to his game as well. And you know, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that on defense uh, and make those kind of hits that get the crowd going. And then you've got Lavelle Daly, who uh, got on the field right away as a true freshman two years ago, uh, started at that Husky nickelback position last year, and now he's back at linebacker. And so Bailey and Maeva are really going to have to um, fill those two spots and uh, kind of drive the defense, as defensive coordinator uh, Coach Inge says, uh, because I think the Bulldogs are, are very well suited at defensive line and at the defensive secondary it's just a matter of um, those linebackers putting it all together and gluing it. Um, there's uh, quite a few guys competing for the second team, but uh, personally, I would like to see Bailey and Maeva on the field as much as possible. I think there's a little bit of a drop-off, but they've got uh, probably four guys they feel comfortable with uh, as far as the second team goes beyond them. Yeah, it should be it, it should be. He's, you know, fun to watch these guys uh, develop back there because there's there's some players, there's a, a lot of local talent uh, as well from what I was reading here and looking at uh, the roster. Um, so the Bulldogs are doing their job picking up some of those local players, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, Tyler Mello, of course, became a, a fan favorite in a short time last year with the special team tips. He's one of the guys that's in that mix to, to back up uh, the two starters. Um, really probably the guy that's impressed more than anyone though is uh, Tanner Blount uh, who was at Buchanan High School and he walked on to Fresno State I mean he's the guy that uh, we saw a lot of and, and we're pretty impressed by uh, you know, even playing next to guys like Jalen Cropper and Kendall Milton Brock Jones and all these guys the stars that Buchanan had we really felt that um, Tanner was a, a guy that would be a, a Division One kind of player, and, and he has done that at even a faster rate than anticipated. So he's been a fun one to watch. Um, Sherman King is in there as well, a uh, local Sunnyside grad. Um, and then the out-of-town guys are uh, Malachi Langley, who started the game last year. He's uh, probably the, the next linebacker up. And you've got a true freshman, Zeke Brandon from uh, Arizona, who's having a really good camp, and he's making a case there too. Yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of homegrown talent that uh, the Bulldogs have been able to hold on to. So, uh, you know, it looks like the Bulldogs are, are doing what they promised in, in keeping a lot of these players at home. Um, but moving on to the next position, one that probably fans are, are not as familiar with, uh, and that's the Husky position, something that was introduced uh, not too long ago. And, of course, here I only see there that the Bulldogs are only about five deep at that position. Um, but what, you know, how's it this shaking out? Because from what I can tell, it's, it's either it's one junior, two sophomore and two freshmen. So how, <laughs> how is that, that uh, shaking out Jackson? Yeah, this is an interesting position. Um, if you're hearing the word Husky and you're not familiar with what it is, it's basically a nickname for Nickelback and it's not, really your traditional nickelback. Usually your, your nickelback is an extra DB that is there to cover uh, wide receiver heavy sets. And this is a nickelback position that is always on the field. And it can be a third linebacker. It can be a extra safety or a cornerback. And so they have a, a lot of responsibilities. And since there's only one of them on the field, 
ever at a time. Uh, it's like the quarterback position. You only have a, you have a small group of guys. So five, I don't think there's a concern about, but um, this was a position that Lavelle Bailey started at last year. Um, you kind of want that hybrid guy that's uh, maybe on a bit of a linebacker body, but is a, a little faster who can be cover out in space. So, uh, right now, Justin Houston seems to be the, the undisputed guy that's going to start there. He's just a sophomore, but he was the one that was behind uh, Bailey last season. He played a lot and started a couple games when Bailey was hurt. Uh, so now Houston steps in. He's a 6'4", 6'5", long, rangy athlete. Uh, he was at one time a four-star recruit, and um, something kind of went awry with his recruiting. I'm not sure exactly what, but he ended up walking on here at Fresno State last year, and he's already proven to be every bit the recruit that people thought he was at one time. Uh, his brother was a five-star player that went to USC, so there's uh, was at one time big expectations, and uh, Fresno State has seen that camp. They think that uh, he's going to be able to fill that position. And then it's also a position where, like, you know, we're mentioning all the different things that are asked uh, out of that group. Or, and sometimes you don't have one guy that does it all. You might have a guy that's good at coverage. You might have a guy that's good as uh, kind of a linebacker. You have a guy that might want to rush the edge uh, from that position. So you've got a wide variety of athletes. You've got guys from six foot six to five foot ten. I think in that group, it's you know, other than receiver, you're not going to see uh, the kind of range of athletes uh, in a position group on a football team. And uh, so there's going to be, I think, a variety of guys that probably fill in as a second teamer. Uh, Amari Pate, though, the true freshman, has really impressed. and He may have the inside track uh, on playing behind Houston. Yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, if you line all these guys up in a row, you would get like a little, <laughs> uh, like a chart, it, 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 an incline chart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like none of them uh, are the same height. <laughs> so it goes 5'11", then 6'1", 6'2", 6'4", 6'6". So if you line them all next to each other, that's how it's going to look. <laughs> But uh, I know uh, going into this next position, it's the one everybody's been waiting all podcasts for, and that's the kicking game, Jackson. (laughs) You know, we got to throw the kickers a bone every now and then. (laughs) Definitely been a spot uh, that the Bulldogs have um, seen some troubles, to say the least, for the last few years. Have they finally figured this thing out and got a place kicker, uh, a reliable place kicker going into this season? Yeah, so they brought in, uh, they lost two kickers. They brought in two new kickers, uh, and there's been some competition. Abe Montano has done a pretty good job as the junior college transfer. Um, but it, it does look like Cesar Silva is going to start again there for a third year. He's had some, some hot and cold games, but uh, they are feeling better about him than they have in the past. They think that he's made a, a big jump this off season, and uh, they really like the way that he's been consistent in camp. Uh, kickoffs is going to have to probably be one of the new guys. Uh, Asa Fuller did that last year. He's no longer with the team, so they really want to get a guy that can boot it through the end zone so they don't have to worry about covering kicks, and we'll see if one of the new guys can do that. Uh, they brought in uh, they got to replace the punter position, and uh, they brought in an Australian recruit, uh, Matthew Goodyear, who played professional Australian League rules football and did it for a little while. He's 24 years old. He's a graduate student coming in here, and uh, he is battling for the punter job, but you've also got Carson King, who uh, walked on to Fresno State and had to see some action last year in an emergency situation. He is just really shocked <laughs> with his progression and the way that he's been really booting punts so it, that remains a competition between those two guys and you know when you've got an Australian punter they've got some different techniques and they, they may be able to, to deploy both of them uh, perhaps you might have a King might be your big leg guy and uh, Goodyear might be the guy to, to pin punts down on the run with that rugby style punt so they've got some options and they, they might utilize both of them so um, I think this uh, coaching staff has got um, plans for a more creative special teams unit, but just with everything that happened last year, it was tough to really deploy much of that. So uh, we may get to see that expand this season. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's 
definitely a work in progress for the Bulldogs trying to figure out the the special teams unit. Um, it has been very hot and cold the last few years. Something that used to be uh, Fresno State's bread and butter there for a while um, is now turned into one of the Bulldogs' greatest struggles. Uh, so hopefully they'll be able to kind of get that uh, all squared away uh, and at least be manageable uh, as this as we start entering into the season. Now, I had mentioned we might be doing some coverage of the upcoming game, but since that game is next week, Jackson, why don't we go ahead and save that for next week's podcast so we have something else to, to talk about. Um, and uh, so we'll go ahead and save the coverage of – uh, Connecticut for for next week's podcast. Uh, but before we get off, um, you know what? Are, what are your thoughts so far on the coaching staff? You know they've got a year under their belt to kind of uh, kind of get used to each other with the departure, uh, you know, of the head of the head coach and and bringing in Kalen DeBoer. Um, what are your thoughts on on how this team this coaching staff is kind of starting to gel together? Gotcha. Well, before we get too far ahead, don't forget to ask me about the defensive backs. We got to give them some love oh, too. You know what? But. That's right. You know, skip, skip. Hold, hold on on the coaches. Let's go to the DBs. I, I totally forgot about the DBs there. Oh, you know, if you see me out in public, don't hit me too hard, guys. Um, so, so Jackson, <laughs> go ahead and let, let's cover on the DBs. Now, this is another position that I believe is another deep one. Uh, a lot of DBs to go around to cover all these positions. Uh, what are your thoughts on these guys so far? You know, what have they done at fall camp and, and what to expect so far this season? Yeah. You know, last year, that was really my biggest concern. Uh, you're talking about having a, a redshirt freshman walk on like Braylon Luck starting. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that was when we went in the last season, yeah, especially playing Hawaii of all teams <laughs> to start the season, I thought, man, this is, is going to be terrible. <laughs> and, Interestingly enough, Hawaii ran the ball on the Bulldogs. That's what really won them that game. And then Fresno State really didn't give up any big passes uh, just about all season. Nevada, with their talented passing game, was really the only offense that uh, really won one-on-one matchups, which is what concerned me. I wasn't sure if Fresno State had the guys to do it. Um, but Braylon Lux and Wyland Free, uh, really, uh, Wyland Free, the, the two of them really held their own. And it was impressive. And, and they're both back. And uh, so you feel pretty good about the cornerbacks. They've done a good job throwing up the depth there, though, because they've brought in uh, Deron Bland, who was a uh, all-big sky cornerback for Sacramento State. I think he's a guy they expected to uh, be a big impact player. And it's been hard to take anyone off the field to get him on there. Uh, we may see a little bit of rotation uh, Randy Jordan is back. Uh, he's a, a guy that's played a lot of football for the Dogs, and he's in that mix. And uh, Kale Sanders, a true freshman, has worked his way up at that start. So uh, the Bulldogs are feeling good about being at least uh, three deep and having probably two other guys that can fit, fit in if they need to. And then at safety, uh, you've got Evan Williams back, who has uh, just been solid for the Bulldogs and has been a team captain and started a lot of games. It's uh, still a pretty relatively young player and you've got a lot of other guys competing for that other safety spot. Uh, Deontay Perry started there last year. Uh, LJ early when healthy has been in that competition. Kosti Agina has really stepped up and has been right in that battle as well. But uh, they brought in a transfer from UCLA, Elijah Gates. And this guy is just a, a different kind of player. I mean, he's going to be, I think a star on Fresno State's defense and should start uh, by my account. Um, he is a, a playmaker. He picked off the ball pretty frequently for the Bruins while he was there. He started at cornerback uh, for a couple seasons. He played safety last year there. And so he is just a, a really dynamic player. I think is going to be noticeable from, from day one with the kind of playmaking abilities that he has. So uh, I'm feeling really good about the secondary. I'm feeling really good about the D line. If the linebackers in the Husky position can bring it all together, um, and if they can implement the scheme that uh, Coach Inge has brought here, the four-two-five defense, it's one that uh, they've had a struggle with last year with a short fall camp and a short time to get everything going. But um, I think they have enough to where this isn't going to have to be a team that wins games fifty to fifty-six to forty-nine or anything like that. I, I think they do have enough on defense to cause some problems. 
uh, definitely create sacks, uh, get some takeaways, and uh, via an exciting defense to watch and not one that's a liability for too much of the game. Now, one player that I that stuck out to me, well, as I'm looking through here, Stephen Comstock. <laughs> I, he used to be a quarterback, right, Jackson? So now he's on the DBs um, group as well? Yeah. So um, when he started to kind of, um, or well, last couple seasons when he wasn't quite number one or number two at quarterback, uh, he started seeing some special teams times and, and made a couple tackles on the kickoff coverage. So he, <laughs> he kind of made his way to safety there. And uh, there are a lot of high hopes for him. He's got a really high football IQ. He wrestled in high school. So he's a guy that definitely knows how to tackle. <laughs> I mean, you, talk, you think about putting the quarterback in safety, you wonder how that guy's going to tackle anyone. <laughs> but uh, Comstock is uh, definitely a physical football player for sure. So, uh, I think it is going to be a, a good fit, but unfortunately last year uh, he was going to compete for a starting job and he went down with a pretty bad injury right at the start of camp. So it's one that has impacted him through the spring and I'm still not even sure if he's at a hundred percent. So uh, it's, uh, he's a guy, if he's healthy, I think we'll see him on special teams this year. And uh, perhaps when a guy or two graduates, he'll, he'll get some more time at safety in the years to come because he still has a few years to play here. Yeah, so that uh, yeah, that kind of I was looking through the group. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I recognize that name. Um, I, I'm still getting myself familiar with everything because of all of last year. I kind I kind of lost track of some of these players. So, uh, but this, uh, like I said before, we uh, you know we went back into the debate the DBs the the coaching staff has had a year to kind of get together, kind of figure things out. What's your overall thoughts on, on how they are, are doing so far as far as gelling together? Yeah, a lot of these guys have past relationships, which has made it a, an easy transition. I think it's been less about the coaching staff meshing together and more about the new coaches meshing with the players. You know, when you think about Lee Marks is a really good example of a high-profile running backs coach who uh, led several players to the NFL while coaching Boise State and made that unusual move to Fresno State, it's because he has a really strong relationship with Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb that goes back quite a ways. And so he's a guy that, you know, it's family when he comes here as a coach, but he's got a bunch of players that are strangers to him. And uh, some of these guys he recruited and didn't offer, uh, Ronnie Rivers being one of them. It's been a uh, an interesting tale that... Uh, Coach Mark says he wanted to offer Ronnie Rivers at Boise State, and uh, he didn't say who, but someone on the Boise State staff would not clear that offer. And so he had a little talking to the unnamed coach after Ronnie Rivers ran into the end zone in the Blue Turf and won a Mountain West championship at Boise State's <laughs> downfall. There was a there was some choice feelings there about uh, <laughs> Mark's not having Rivers on his own team there, so... Uh, there's some past relationships that he's coached some of these running backs, but um, that's been, you know, it's a thing that now that things are more normal and they can spend more time with the players, they get to know them and, and build that relationship more. I think you're seeing that across the board with the new guys. And, uh, you know, on defense, just about all those coaches have crossed paths with Coach DeBoer or each other at some point. So I think it's a tight-knit group, and it's a group that, um, you know, a lot of those guys probably want to stick around for the long haul. It's uh a lot of those guys were at Sioux Falls with Kalen DeBoer, and um, you know, they were there for quite a long time. So I, I could see something similar happening here if they are successful. Yeah, it's definitely it looks like a, a group of, of coaches that are, are are really meshing well together, and it's going to be um, it's going to be fun to watch these guys, uh, you know, out recruiting and and getting players here uh, and and implementing their their type of football, which. I'm I'm looking forward to actually watch in person this year, Jackson. You don't know how much uh, it 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 grinded on me that I couldn't even be at the stadium to even watch <laughs> these guys in person. Um, but you've you've had that uh, ability to do it. So and now it's going to be an adjustment for yourself as well, right, Jackson? Uh, being you know having other people around other than just the football players and you. <laughs> yeah, the last year was an odd experience. I mean. We had to cover the game from the stands. Uh, they didn't want us on the field. 
And so I've got my camera there. I'm, I'm walking across the empty rows <laughs> during the game. And I'm sitting my laptop on the bleachers and working while the play is going on and stuff. So that was a one-of-a-kind experience for sure. <laughs> and so it should be pretty close to, to back to normal this season as far as uh, the Red Wave being there. And uh, I'll be back on the field with my photo camera and uh, get back to it. Yeah, definitely, and and we're gonna start getting gearing things back up now that uh, we're starting to kind of get things figured out with to twenty four seven sports and uh, getting uh, getting our staff back in place uh, to kind of get coverage uh, on the Bulldogs. So expect to see more uh, coming your way, especially more regular podcasts now and uh, more extensive coverage uh, over at the Barkboard. So if you haven't done so yet. I highly recommend you heading over to thebarkboard.com and getting a premium subscription because like some of our our, our subscribers have said, uh, get your news before the news does. <laughs> Sometimes we find things out before the actual local news does. So if you're, uh, if you're one of those people who like to know more information than your friends, um, getting a premium subscription to the Barkboard is one way to go. And so... Uh, with that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up? Yeah, you know, I'm just excited and ready to go. I mean, we're kind of at the point of camp where we've seen a lot, and the uh, depth chart is uh, whittling down, and uh, it's about ready for game prep. And so it seems almost kind of surreal. With uh, you know, last August there was no football at all. <laughs> uh, it's been a little bit of a process to get back into the the swing of things, but we're just about there. And uh, you know, on the bark board, we've got a lot of, um, we've been at every practice and we've got VIP uh, or insider reports on every practice. We've got tons of interviews. So it's, uh, you have, uh, I mean, you could spend hours and hours. If you picked up a subscription right now and read through all those reports, it was, I mean, each one of those is about over a thousand, sometimes 2,000 words and with several video interviews. So uh, you can cliff note it or spark note it or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of other features that, that aren't as time consuming. So, um, yeah, if uh, you've been a subscriber before and maybe you went away with the COVID year, uh, it's a good time to hop back on. We got uh, you can get your first month for a dollar, or you can get thirty percent off of a year when you join now. Yeah, so it's de- it's definitely worth it, um, and always keep checking. Uh, there are some perks that come along with that sometimes. So um, you know, it just it's it's well worth it. Um, and I've I, even before I became part of the staff, I've been a part of the bark board for a while. So <laughs> it is. It, I highly recommend it. And um, if you want to reach out to Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at uh, JacksonMoore247. You can find me at Twitter at RedWaveReport. You can also be a, uh, someone on, you know, go out to Facebook and like our Facebook page. Uh, just look for the barkboard.com and you'll be able to find that there. I think we're, we're, we're zooming along past like 5,000 subscribers now, Jackson, I believe. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, we've got a, a huge base so far uh, and and only growing as we speak. So uh, be a part of that as well as we put some updates and stuff there. Uh, and you're also able to reach out to the Bark Board d- directly uh, from the Facebook page as well. Um, that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.